two, three, four. <laughs> but I want to talk about your podcast, Teachable Soul, and a little bit kick it off with how you came up with the name for that. Um, well, I was, uh, I was actually, I was working for a tech startup at the time and, um, I wanted to do a show, basically a podcast about, um, learning from other people's mistakes. Um, but mistakes kind of has like a negative connotation to it. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how to kind of reword that to where it doesn't sound like bad. And I came up with like teachable moments was the first thing that came to mind um, because that's basically all mistakes are just teachable moments. And um, from that, it kind of evolved. I also am not going to lie to you. Um, SEO had a little bit to do with it <laughs> right. um, on like Google and things like that. Um, it was between teachable soul and teachable spirit, um, but spirit didn't have as many hits as soul did. And I wanted to make it memorable as well. And spirit just didn't sound as good. <laughs> and there you have it. <laughs> right. There it is. <laughs> so what were your hopes going into it? And how do you see the, the podcast going now as you've kind of looked back from where it was to where it is now? Mm. Um, my hopes going into it were just that I wanted to kind of Oh, I wanted to learn from other people um, who had already gone through some of the things that I hadn't yet gone through, but might go through, um, particularly in business at the time. Um, but also I was going through sort of a, a spiritual-ish awakening, I guess, at the time, or I wanted to at least. Um, and oftentimes people in business actually have gone through something similar, and that's kind of what causes them to start their business. Um, so that's, I wanted to kind of just learn from business owners and anyone who um, considered themselves a, not a, like a spiritual know-it-all by any means, but just someone who had already been through what I was already going through so that I could sort of have a playbook. So it was honestly for myself a little bit, but I knew that it would be helpful for other people. So I definitely wanted to share it and I had no intentions of keeping it to myself whatsoever. Um, and then now it's 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 still kind of stayed with that same spirit. Um, but just now I have personally, of course, evolved as well. So um, the stories are a little bit different. But um, like I said, it's still keeping with the same spirit. I'm still trying to learn from other other people's teachable moments in their own lives and hoping that I can share that with the rest of the world as well. So you said like a spiritual kind of awakening or a change in spirituality. What does that mean to you? Mm. Well, <laughs> that means, I mean, it's honestly more about like self-love and figuring out who I was and what I wanted. Um, I grew up kind of in a, my mother was extremely religious. My father was extremely not religious. Um, that's interesting. I, I mean, how I know, did that really? affect you? Like that's a very, I always know people like, both my parents, we you know, were uh, have were and are religious and spiritual, and so that affected my brother and I. But mm -hmm. like two different people, like how was that right. like? I am honestly so grateful for it um, because I can look at both sides objectively. I feel like 
um, better than, for instance, my husband, who <laughs> um, he was not raised with a religious family, but he his neighbors would always take him to church. Um, and I don't think that he has as much of an ability to separate church from religion from non-religion. Mm. Um, I am able to, I think anyways. And I, and I consider him a pretty analytical thinker and, and he generally does have a, an amazing ability to do that. Um, but not with religion apparently. So <laughs> what's the, uh, so what you said, you, you separated into like several kind of baskets there. Tell me that designation for you. I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so because my mother was religious, um, we did, I mean, I, I grew up going to church at one point I went to a Baptist school in eighth grade for one year, um, which I didn't like. And then, <laughs> because my father was extremely non-religious, I never really knew how he felt about religion or God, or if he believed in it. I, I, he, he didn't like to talk about it a lot. Um, I thought at the time because he didn't believe in it and he thought that he would be judged for that because his family, um, he grew up very religious. They were Catholic and they went to church all the time. And so <laughs> I think that he felt like he would be judged for it, or I thought that he did. And then um, right before he passed away, he randomly said, I don't know how anybody cannot believe in God when like the earth exists. And he's a, a he, he was a generally like scientific thinker. Mm -hmm. um, and so that incredibly surprised me when he said that near the end of his life. And I'm like, okay, wow. cool. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and so I have my own, I, I mean, I've basically formed my own belief about things essentially as an adult. Um, and that's partially because of how a lot of the religions were around me as I grew up. Um, but also it's because of how my dad was and how he, he kind of taught me to think scientifically as well so that I was always able to be objective um, rather than subjective about what I was talking about or looking at or thinking about whatever the case may have been. So, um, I mean, I believe that there is a higher power, but as far as it goes for me, like if anybody else believes in, I don't know what to call it. I wouldn't know what to call what the higher power was because I don't particularly not necessarily, I mean, I just, I, I have a hard time now being or considering myself religious because of because I just don't believe. I guess I'm afraid to be manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could like I can't see you, obviously, but I could hear the gears turning in your brain mm -hmm. about this. Yeah. It's, and I still am not like 100 percent sold or solid on what I even believe right now. Honestly, I'm still evolving that belief um, and I'm still open to all, you know, options and, and abilities. But right. as it stands right now, <laughs> um, but I mean, I do, I appreciate because I can look at the different kinds of religions that are out there and and appreciate that religion for, you know, what they believe in and, and where it came from. Um, as well as any other religion and where it came from, you know, because they all came from somewhat similar beliefs, but also some diff different beliefs. And I find it interesting. Yeah. 
Why do you think that there's always such a, there's always this gridlock between science and spirituality or science and religion? Did you say science and spirituality? Yeah. Why is there always, it seems like there's always gridlock about it or this separation or why that if you're a scientist, you can't believe in God or a higher power or if you're very spiritual, you're not very scientific. Why has there always been a divide, it seems like, in this? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, honestly. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm spending time actually now studying scientists who, are, who do consider themselves religious and then ones who do not consider themselves religious um, because I find it a very intriguing difference. And, and there is a very clear difference. <laughs> Um, and it's, uh, I don't, I don't know. The only thing really that I can see is that there's a difference in, in open-mindedness essentially. Mm, Yeah. To me, there are things that I can't explain yet personally, but I know that like things happen or that things exist. And just because like neuroscience exists, but I'm not going to be able to explain it. There's a science behind it. But if you were to explain something that happens due to neuroscience, I'm probably just going to think it's magic, honestly. Mm. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's how religion sort of started is they couldn't, they couldn't explain certain things. So instead of magic, they were like, okay, let's just claim it's this, you know, deity that we let's let's um the sun rises every day so let's just start praising the sun for rising every day because if we don't maybe that's why it goes away behind the clouds or something because they couldn't explain it and i think that we're doing similar things now it's just with different in a different way i guess that's interesting i mean it's definitely i don't i'm i know i'm pushing you on this and asking you all these things you're like i wasn't expecting oh, to talk okay. about this yeah, <laughs> I think it's part of the, you know, anytime, you know, teachable soul and all these things, you're going to get into different conversations. I just like to roll with it, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is to me, but I often see it as this, this sense of identity and that, mm-hmm. this, especially with scientists or people extremely spiritual, that there's a somewhat of a fear of like, well, maybe this other side will disprove this other side. And Mm -hmm. what if you prove that this doesn't exist, that will shatter my world? What if science is not right about this? What if spirituality is not right about this? I think we're very wrapped up into our identities behind these things. And there's a fear of actually discovering the other side of those things. Right. I actually believe they're mutually very beneficial to each other. But it's it's like a lot of things in life today. People are very close-minded about the exploration of information on the other side of their argument for it. And I've said this many times on my podcast. I, I believe it, that through science, you could find spirituality and through spirituality, you could find science. It's all there. Yeah. But to become very close minded and like, okay, if you're a scientist, you can't possibly have these views about religion and be supportive of it and stuff. I just think it's ridiculous. I think, and I think it's close-mindedness yeah. due to you are afraid of of potentially what that would mean for your identity if the other side 
disproved your thing. But I don't think it's about disproving. I think it's about living together in those things. But I think people have a very difficult time allowing that to happen. Yeah, I agree. So let's unpack that, though, because like, as you're saying this, it's interesting to me, because we were I mean, we were talking about kind of open mindedness as well. Mm -hmm. But we know, I think we know that like, closed mindedness comes from fear, just like you were saying. Mm, Yes. So I think that you're absolutely at a bare minimum, you're on to something. But (laughs) um, but it's so interesting how we can each claim different identities and then also claim that our identities are the right ones sometimes mm. depend on so many different factors, like our family and where we grew up, like physically where we grew up. If you grew up in the mountains, you know, versus in in, in the plains, you're going to have a different biology. I find it so intriguing, all of it. Unfortunately, I can't study everything at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> it is exhausting. I, but you know what? I also think that it's like I have a hard time understanding when people on either side of the equation are like angry at the other. So, like in science or spirituality, if a scientist is like, it's stupid to believe in religion, all this, like, why are you so angry about that? Like, what yes. does it matter to you? Or if the person is very religious, just like science is bad, like to me, that's always an indicator that there's a deeper issue going on that you have had a bad experience with one side or the other, and you are letting it create an emotional argument for you versus having logic behind it. And I was thinking people are so anti something. There's something else going on there because. Oh, I completely agree. Why would you as a scientist care so much about that religion didn't exist? Why would you care so much about that? Like what's, you know, like in, in the same sign with the other, and I think it's kind of a microcosm for our current society is like, why are we defending why somebody is so democratic or somebody is so Republican? Like, why are you so angry at these other sides of people? You know? Right. That's my, that's always my thing too. Like, I don't, I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I just care that like, I care about you as a person. And as long as you can care about me as a person and we can, you know, either agree to disagree or come together in an agreement or a compromise, whatever needs to happen, but we don't need to yell at each other to get there or each other to get there or call each other names to get there. Like, (laughs) but where are the like-minded people in that sense? Like, I feel like I tend to, maybe I'm in a silo, but I tend to talk to very reasonable moderately minded people. Uh, And they're very much like, yeah, this thing, there's good things about this. There's good things about that. But what I read and I see visually is very different from that. There's this very tribal nature of things. And I'm like, is it just that I'm not in those places where it's like super one-sided or am I choosing to just talk to people who are more moderate? I I don't know. Like it's strange Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, I wonder that myself. It's funny because I'm um I'm married to someone who tends to be extremely opinionated and mm-hmm. and really so in some degrees. Um but like everybody else that I talk to is not like that. <laughs> and yeah. so I wonder what that means for me as well because um like but then I'm like, well maybe I just caught them like at the right moment or maybe we just talked about the right things because I know for myself, like I can be very mild and, and, you know, mild tempered or, or mannered Mm -hmm. or whatever. 
um, about most things. But like, if you start talking about, you know, taking children away from their parents, then I, I can get a little heated about that. <laughs> honestly. Yeah, of course. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people are just more heated about certain elements than others. I have family members who are, you know, feel extremely passionate that um, immigrants coming into our country are are stealing something from us in some way. And I don't understand that. Um, but they're they're very they feel very threatened by that by that thought, I guess. So. I don't know. Yeah, we see like that is an example of like threatened by what? Like what's the Exactly. What's the outcome that is so terrible? I'm just it's not I'm not saying one side or the other. I'm just for me I understand like what's the threat? You know what I mean? Like yeah, no, what's the, the anger? Way. You know, like seriously like nobody's taking your children in the middle of the night from your house generally. You know what I mean? It's right. like or somebody doesn't nobody's like putting a gun to your head on a right, like, th like the threat I feel is imagined by a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, like it's not, it's not the reality. And we have different forms of consciousness that I think people are operating under. And I think, I think we're in a time for me where I feel like, you know, how people like make fun of cults and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, you're in a cult and there's so much TV and stuff about that. I've done several episodes about it, but if you really think about it, a lot of people are in a cult. They just don't know it. Oh, yeah. They're, you yeah. know, if you're going out and you're, and you're subscribing to something that is extreme, that is very extreme, and there's like a uniform to go with it, and there is a very cut and dry ideology behind it, and open mindedness, you might be in a cult, actually. <laughs> you know what right? I mean? <laughs> they just, it just doesn't look like Jonestown. It doesn't look yeah. like Nexium. It's not a but, religious cult, but it can right. still be a cult. But we always <laughs> yeah. think about it being religious based, these cults, but you might yeah. be in the cult of your mind and how you are seeing the world. And you may be political affiliations to me are cults in many ways. I feel like it's, if you're a very hardcore Republican or very conservative, hardcore liberal, or left, you're kind of in a cult, honestly, if yeah. you can't see any goodness about other things you're probably in a cult and you just, you just don't call it, it's not religious. So you don't, you just, you just call it Democrats or you call it Republicans. Right. But if you sat down and really thought about it, you, you meet, meets all the criteria. Mm -hmm. It does. And it, it intrigues me that it can divide us so much too. Like how, how are we such a species as human beings that want and need each other's affection and attention and like we're biologically designed that way. And yet we cling on so incredibly hard to these things that divide us and keep us from being with more people like that, that tribal thing. Yeah. It's, it's, I just find it strange. Cause I'm, I'm just like, if you have moderate ideas, like I'm politically very independent. I, I have been probably for the last 10 years or so. Yeah. And uh, I tend to talk to a lot of people who are politically very independent. And I, and I might like, where are these, where are these people? Like <laughs> everything, the news and everything else says these people are, don't exist that much. I'm like, but I tend to talk to a lot of them, you know, like yeah. it's just, it's just strange. So, but I wonder for you, it like, works. go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, it's also, it, it intrigues me that the, like the two different parties, they started so long ago, 
right? But um, we still hold to them and they still try to keep the same beliefs within the same parties. And then like what will happen is people get mad at like a Democrat who one time voted against one thing that quote unquote <laughs> are supposed to like go towards or whatever. And I'm like, but we can't, you can't possibly say that you believe 100% only one side of things all the time. It Life is not black and white. It's not blue or red. There's gray areas all of the time. How can you possibly expect any human being to only align with one direction all the time? I don't understand that thought process. So I really don't understand why we have such a, a hardcore two-party system as it is. Because I mean, like, I don't want I remember, so this year and last year, very specifically, everyone that I knew did not want to vote for either one of the parties, but we were all told that if we voted independent or for a third party, then it would just not count, essentially. That's foolish. And someone chose one of the two parties. Hmm? That's foolish that they would say that your vote doesn't count. That's foolish right. to me. Yeah. And that's what they're they're saying it again this year. That like if you if you vote for an independent party, you're basically wasting your vote because inevitably somehow the one of the two parties is going to get more votes than the third party. I think it's strange. Uh, you know, it's again that's it's trying to pull you towards a side. Why does it have to be? This isn't like the Giants versus the Eagles. I mean, this is. I mean, right? you know, there exactly. are. We're we too focused on why you have to be on one team or the other. And you know what's great about the innovation of our country and our society is a lot often a lot of the good things that have happened in our species have been because people have gone against the grain, have done something different. They Absolutely. Don't subscribe to a reality that everybody else says you should that's just a sheep mentality to me. It's never something I've been into. And mm -hmm. uh like for me, I generally vote very politically independent. And, you know, like uh, I'm here in Washington, which is an extremely liberal state. Um, right. But, you know, when I vote down the ballot and everything, I vote for people with independents. I vote for Republicans. I vote for Democrats because I don't base it off of their party affiliation. I really actually look into who the people are. Mm -hmm. And if the policies I think are good things, like it's like the last thing I think about is what party they're in. So like, if you look at my voting, it's all over the place when I, you know, vote uh, down the ballot through all the different uh, elected officials, you know, and mm -hmm. um, I think I that's the right thing, but it, you never know. Right. I wish that they would make it to where instead of just going to one place and having just the names be on a page, make like two or three or however many names there are at the top of the page and then list their, their whole, like the things that they're trying to fight for or whatever on yeah. the page voting for them. Right. Like, I feel like it would actually make more sense than eh, just go find it somewhere because my husband and I, we had to do, because he's military, we had to do the absentee ballot ballot yep. for Missouri. And there were some of them on there. I couldn't find what their, what they're they're what they were what they wanted to do mm -hmm. i couldn't find anything on it they didn't have it on their website nothing and i'm like how am i supposed to find this if it's not even on something as simple as your own website 
why? Why would I vote for you if you're not going to put the information there for me? <laughs> yeah, no, especially now you have to put it out there for people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like it would just be a lot easier if they just put, hey, this person wants to run because they want to make these changes and just put it on the same page. I don't see why that's so hard. You know, Washington State, they they provide you with this really awesome pamphlet for every elected position and the people running. So you actually, they, they run down everything the person's into and you get it like two weeks before the election and stuff. Mm. It's actually really yeah. good. And I read that it's one of the only states that provides that uh, That's for it. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah, it's really nice, actually, because then you could like really look at people. You go, okay, I have a better idea about this candidate. Right. And then through reading it, I, I'm reading down through the different candidates and then I look back and I'm like, oh, this person's a Democrat or this person's a Republican or this person's politically independent. And it's it's not like the main priority, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's very good. A lot of the states should do it on some level, you know, too. I agree because you won't even know. And, and, and I, a lot of people I know won't even vote for certain positions because they're like, well, I don't even know what this person does, <laughs> like what they're into. Right. Exactly. And that's that's I wanted to do that. Even I wanted to leave like a a question blank or whatever, just because I don't, I don't know enough about, you know, a person or, or a position even in some instances. So, but you can't evidently just don't count. In terms of your podcast, I want to transition a little bit into what have been like your most memorable episodes. I think podcasters love to ask each other this because it's kind of a cool thing. I think it's like, what have you like what episodes have really left an impression on you? Yeah. Um, so there was a lady that I spoke with about professional boundaries, um, which is that episode made an impact on me just because I lacked, uh, boundaries in general, honestly, like in my personal and professional life. But I think it's such a good thing to start very young on boundaries and and where and how to place them with people, but it's a really good place to start in a professional workplace. Um, just because it's easier, like you're expected to have boundaries in a workplace. You're, you know, with, with, um, personal relationships, it can get a little foggier sometimes and you don't really know a hundred percent where your boundaries should be or could be, or their boundaries are. Um, but in a professional setting, it's very pretty, black and white. <laughs> um, you know, there's contracts and, and legal, legally binding things like that, that, you know, you either can or cannot say certain things in the workplace um, and vice versa. So um, I really liked, that was probably my favorite episode and her and I kept in touch and after the fact and, and kind of became friends. So. That's awesome. What about personal bound? Well, what about boundaries was, what made that discussion so important? You said you had some you know, some to deal with that. What was the issues for you? Um, <laughs> uh, it's kind of political, I guess, if you want to oh, put it Oh, wow. Way. We're going back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's well, go back. It, yeah. Well, because I'm a, a female um, and because of the way that my parents were raised and because of the way that they raised me, um, I was, I was brought up very much to just, um, my father and my mother both wanted me to be very proper, socially proper. 
And so I was taught how to act in public and I was never pretty much allowed to deviate from that. Um, you know, art was not a subject that I was, I was interested in when I was young because I was geared in the direction of like a doctor or a lawyer or something normal, quote unquote. Um, and I'm only just finding out now that I actually love being artistic and I'm actually kind of creative. If you, you know, look at me, you wouldn't know because <laughs> I'm very plain and whatnot because that's how I was brought up. Um, but additionally, I was, I was a girl and my dad, I was just a very traditional girl. And so for instance, one of the things that I lacked when I was dating was boundaries, um, an incredible amount of boundaries <laughs> before I got married because um, I didn't know, I didn't even know how to set boundaries with other human beings, essentially, because I was just told to do certain things that were socially acceptable. And if you didn't do them, then you would be shunned or, or looked at a certain way or talked about a certain way. And I was not, I was not to be looked at or talked about in any way, shape or form. I was to do nothing that I would be looked at or talked about any differently than anyone else. Um, which I'm grateful for that, like training, I guess, but at the same time, I'm an adult now and I'm just now learning sort of how to set those boundaries with my friends and even with my husband now, you know? And so I really wish I could have known that earlier in life. <laughs> You're like, I need to know this a lot earlier than now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot earlier. So um, one of the one of the benefits of me doing my podcast is that I am extremely glad that if anything were to ever happen to me, that my kids would have all of this knowledge and all of my thoughts on it even, um, you know, going forward. So even if something happens to me, I have all of this like wisdom to share with my kids. And I'm grateful for that. <laughs> That's fantastic. I mean, that sounds like that episode really was educational for you and uh, a big, was very powerful for you. Yeah, it definitely was. I, um, um, when I was like 16, if you want a deep story, <laughs> let's get a deep no. story. Huh? Let's get a deep story for sure. Okay. When I was like 16, there was a male, which is, this is an answer to your, your previous question as well. But there was a male who um, was trying to take advantage of me, essentially. Um, and he was older than I. And I was, uh, I mean, I was 16, so I was not uh, legally capable of making decisions such as that. And so <laughs> I, um, but I never, he didn't, he didn't get to, but he was attempting to. And I never turned him in for that, basically, um, because at the time I was told to think of him and his family and things like that. Um, and now I, I incredibly regret that decision, obviously. And it's things like that that I wish I could have um, had someone at the time, because everyone who was around me at the time was just saying, you know, don't turn him in. Don't don't do anything about it. Just, you know, forget about it and try to move on, basically. And so. It's things like that that I will never allow my daughter to not say something if someone tries to take advantage. And even, I mean, she's six years old, seven years old, I'm sorry, seven years old now. And it's already benefited me and her from me having taught her that at seven, which I'm grateful for. So, yeah, 
this this podcast of yours it sounds like it's it's a, a way to heal as well as being educational and you know talking to a lot of different people that's kind of how i feel about oh, when you're telling me about this you know mm-hmm. no yeah you're absolutely right um <laughs> i had started it at a time when my dad had passed away in october and i started it in i think february or march mm. But I mean, I quit my job in order to start it. Um, and it was definitely a a self-love and, and self-actualization and, and identity thing for me to do, for sure. Wow. I definitely did not know that about you, even though I've talked to you several times. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I thought I told you that. <laughs> no, no. This tends to happen on my show. <laughs> this <time>. Right. <laughs> so... Have there been any other episodes that have been as impactful or you just really enjoyed it? Like it was really memorable for you? Yeah, no. I mean, they're all incredibly enjoyable for me. Um, I've I've learned I've learned that that I learn a lot more from talking to people and learning through their experiences than I ever imagined I could even. Um, I mean, I knew going into this, I would learn a lot, but I have found that actually that is probably my best way of learning. Like in school, you know, they, they make you take tests and read books and, and, you know, even physically do things in order to learn. Um, but oddly enough, I have found that like actually hearing and emotionally connecting with someone else's story allows me to be able to learn from it better than if I don't emotionally connect to a book or that I don't want to read most likely by the way, but <laughs> a multiple choice test, you know, that I'm, I'm, I have that test anxiety. So I freak out that I'm going to make the wrong choice, even if I know the answer. So, um, I'm grateful that I at least learned at some point in time, <laughs> Yeah. even though I'm a grown adult now, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think, um, so many people are being pulled into podcasts, whether listening or a second part starting a podcast? You know, that's, that's actually something I've been interested in learning more about lately too, because, um, because I think podcasts are different than like what we've been used to for the past, you know, 20 and 30 years going into the internet age, basically. Um, and I don't know why, and I, and I haven't quite figured out yet what the, the huge difference is, but you know, we watch, we've been watching TV and then it went to social media and like YouTube and things like that. Um, and now it's interesting to me that we're kind of going back to like a radio age where with podcasting, where we're going back to what we originally started with, which was kind of the radio, but now it's just a podcast where it can be either, you know, music related or it can be about anything you want it to be about. So it's basically just taking a TV show or a book or any of that and turning it into an audio only experience. And maybe it's just because, I mean, for at least listening to it, I think that people are probably just more interested in it because it allows them to do other things while they listen and learn. Um, and I think of course, you know, we're in an information age and we all want to multitask and, and get things done faster, um, et cetera, et cetera. So <laughs> there's that. Um, but as far as actually providing a podcast, maybe also in some ways, it's another way that we can connect with human beings. And, and we like the idea, you know, we're humans, we like the idea of connecting with human beings. 
And because we're in an internet age and a social media age where we kind of just connect online, maybe we're, you know, reverting and trying to go back to scheduling appointments so that we can actually have a conversation with someone. And maybe, you know, people started vlogs at one point because video was available to pretty much everyone and accessible to pretty much everyone. Maybe that's just a vlog of a conversation, essentially. What are your um, thoughts about uh, video and podcasting? Because I know there's some podcasters that incorporate both the audio and the video. What are your thoughts about that? I love it. Um, I'm, I'm all about, you know, the more exposure and everything that you can get for it, then by all means, go ahead. Use all the tools that you have available to you. That's kind of what they're there for. I, um, I mean, I love podcasts and being able to listen, um, but also video adds that extra, extra element, which I think can only enhance, but it, um, at the same time, there's, there's certain videos that I, I would love to be able to only listen to, but then there's certain things that they show in the video that you can't, you have to actually see in order to be able to experience it whatsoever. You can't actually hear it. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, have you seen, um, the social dilemma on Netflix? I have. You have. Okay. I have not finished it yet. What do you think about that? I thought it was incredibly insightful and I really enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I'm, I felt like it was, it, it realized at some point it was getting very like dark and then at the, well, you'll see at the end, it's a little more cheerful. Um, but I do think that it's, it's very relevant to our times. And I do think there's a kickback coming on it. I think that we're almost, we're too involved in our online right. lives. And that's where I think podcasting and picking up on that is really special because if you're doing it like we're doing, we're actually having a conversation. We may not see each other, but it's like we're talking on the phone and we're recording a phone call, you know? Right. And there's something about that that is really special. And I think if you're spending most of your time just messaging people, you're not learning a lot. You're really not. Right. But when you talk yeah. like this, you get so much information and in it's very dense. You get so much info in a very short amount of time. It would take you like, like, you know, months of texting to get to this level with somebody really like, and, yeah. and understand you just, it's just inefficient. Just texting mm -hmm. and messaging people is very inefficient. Whereas podcasting to me is way more efficient. And I always tell people when they say, well, how do I learn about you? I'm like, just listen to my podcast. It's the best way to learn about who I am. Easy. Mm -hmm. you know? right. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm struggling I mean, I have always, so like years ago, I turned off all of my notifications on my phone because I realized what was happening. I realized that every single time I got a red dot on my phone, I would pick up my phone and check it. It's just completely, it's a waste of time. It's unnecessary. And it was starting to irritate me because I mean, literally every few seconds on Facebook, and especially now that there's multiple, there's Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter, I, there, it's too much. Like I can barely function just to check mm -hmm. my email morning, <laughs> much less having to check five other applications. Like I would just be on them all day, which 
is the point, you know, that's how they make money. I get Mm -hmm. that. But for me, I realized a long time ago that the notifications itself were basically the irritant. So I would turn them off. So I turned them off a long time ago, but I still spend, you know, hours just looking at it because it's that, that dopamine hit basically. Um, even if it's, even if it's not like one of my friends, you know, liking my post or, or giving me approval in those ways, it's still, it's entertainment. So I get dopamine that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, um, our brains are very interesting and I don't like the fact that they've been hacked. <laughs> <laughs> they have been hacked big time. That's a big part of that <laughs> social dilemma. And I, exactly. I made a decision years ago to just, just have LinkedIn probably like six, seven years ago. Well, just because I felt like it was a thing that I used a lot and mm-hmm. it was less gimmicky. I mean, it's starting to be a little more gimmicky now in my opinion, but um, I just also, I know myself, I'm not good at like a bunch of stuff at the same time. And I, and I'm banking that most people aren't. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to use this, I'd rather just use one thing, one or two things. And, and, and that's it. And be good at that. And I think we have this like false narrative as human beings that like, we can be good at like 20 things. Like we're so amazing. Yeah. And reality is we suck at doing a bunch of stuff at the same time. Like we're dreadfully right. bad at it. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can't. um, I can barely walk and talk at the same time sometimes. Like, (laughs) or or try to type and talk. Have you ever tried to do that? That not really. (laughs) I'll start typing what I'm saying as I'm saying it, or I'll start singing what I'm typing. Like, it's it's Uh, it's an awful thing. (laughs) But see, this is what I'm saying. Like, it's kind of like the whole political thing. It's like, oh, you must be this side or that side. Like, and then on social media, it's like, oh, you need to have Facebook. You need to have Instagram. I'm like, no, you don't need to do any of that. You actually don't. I don't yeah. know who said you have to have this for your business. And I think it's, again, people have a very big sheep mentality is that they don't think for themselves. They mm-hmm. just go along with the tide. You know, if social media is a tsunami that most people are getting swept up in and they don't think in their own thoughts and go, do I really need this? You Mm -hmm. know, it's like I was in some committee meeting and like every person is on Facebook and they're like, well, we're going to do this Facebook group for this committee. Is everybody on Facebook? I was like, I'm not. And they were like, oh, you really need to get on. I'm like, why? I'm like, it's not that important for me to join Facebook just so I can be in a committee that meets three times a year. I'm like, this is stupid. It, it just mm-hmm. is. So it's like, you have to think for yourself. You don't, you are not owned by the fact that people say to you, you have to do this. You have, no, you don't. You really right. don't. Yeah. But we want that approval. <laughs> yeah. I never was looking for that. Like I, I do my own thing. You know, yeah. you gotta be willing to create without, without caring about the, the outcome. You know, if you make mm-hmm. a podcast and you want it to be the Teachable Soul or Dr. D's Social Network, or you want it to be about paranormal activity, you just got to create and let it be what it's going to be. You know, people are either going to yeah. like it or not, but right. it doesn't have to be what other podcasters are doing, or what other political people say you should do, or what other bot at what social media guru says you need to join this. You don't have to do anything like that. Mm-hmm. You really mm-hmm. don't. You do you. And yes, will you maybe miss out on all these people telling you stuff on Instagram? 
I guess maybe, but if if you don't care, what's the difference? Yeah. Right. I hate Instagram. <laughs> Me too. I I mean I snuffed that thing out immediately when it came out. I said this is well, I snuffed that thing out immediately when it came out. I said, This is just this is trash. Same. <laughs> like, I, know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it seems like I guess the younger generation apparently likes it more somehow. And I'm like, but I don't understand why. Like logically, if you actually think about it, if you want, you know, videos or if you want pictures, go to YouTube. You can search them up on the internet. Yeah. Understand. Uh, Interest. Yeah, people even spending eight hours a day on stuff like this, Twitter, you know, mm. Instagram, and they're spending their entire day on it. I'm like, you know what? Yeah. Have a conversation with somebody, get some coffee or whatever, you know, when it's appropriate, all this stuff. Like, right. What I'm saying is podcasting yeah. is great, I think, because people are doing the thing that they are, are forgetting how to do, which is have conversations with people. Right. I know. That's why I'm. <sighs> I'm so torn about like my kids and, and the whole coronavirus and everything, because now they have to be on the computer for like six hours a day during school Yeah, in order to do it. And they have to be home because the school's not even open. And I just, I don't. So we're, they're literally now essentially forced to be on a computer or device to some degree at all hours of the day because they can go outside. They can go outside. Don't get me wrong, but they can't go to the movies with their friends like my son used to do. They can't. I can't send my daughter to a trampoline park like I used to do. You know, they can't like I don't I and I struggle for I I, I don't know if I struggle, but I'm afraid of the evolution, I guess, of it all, because I kind of feel like with social media and especially after watching at least a portion of The Social Dilemma there it's it almost seems like it's a machine like you know those post-apocalyptic movies that take like artificial intelligence like a robot or something and then mm -hmm. robots take over the world or whatever and and destroy it because ultimately humans are probably going to destroy it anyway and so they're trying to quote unquote protect like i feel like that's what hap has happened with social media it was something that they started for a good reason and with good intentions and just a monster that's taking over the world. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who said it. I think he said it. He said a very interesting thing. He said, technology is not bad. Social media is bad. <laughs> he separated it. He's like, no, technology is fine. He's like, social media is bad. I was like, well, that's an interesting way of looking at it. You know, and yeah. I think there's technology is amazing. There's been a lot of great innovations that have moved humanity forward, made things easier uh, created more time for people. Um, but yeah. I think the social media thing is so, um, controversial because it's in many ways, the, the goal is to connect people, but the outcome, the unintended consequence has been disconnection of people. Very odd. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super, we have, um, we have a, a robot vacuum, you know, for mm -hmm. my, or sweep, whatever, I don't know, for, for my, for our first floor. And I'm super excited now for the day when like a robot can just do my dishes. That technology I am here for all day long. <laughs> if a robot lawnmower can come and just mow my lawn, absolutely. I will pay you 500 and <laughs> upwards of a thousand dollars for that. If I'm going to pay you a thousand dollars for my phone, I'm definitely going to pay you a thousand dollars for a robot. It's going to save me time and energy. 
Absolutely. So yeah, I all <laughs> that technology. <laughs> See, it was funny. See, I, I like, I think about this is probably the the fitness element of my mind. I think of like not lawn mowing. I think, well, there's another thing I've taken away for physical activity in my life for that. You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's just probably the fitness aspect of my mind. But on the other hand, I do I understand what you're saying. I totally get that. The thing I well, but actually for me, I'm like I can spend that time going hiking because that's my favorite thing in the world to well, do. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So like if you're gonna take away the things that I don't want to do, like it could be <laughs> I guess physically, but like, I don't want to do it. So if you're going to take, <laughs> I can go do the things that I do want to do now. However, if you're going to take away and just make me spend it on social media or something like that, no, I'm not here for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I had a guy on. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a guy on the other day. It's coming out next week. You might, you might be very interested in this. His name's Peter Voss and uh, he's been in uh, AI for like 25 years. I mean, like a really long time. And he was talking about, um, you know, the different stages of artificial intelligence and robotics and things. And he mentioned kind of what you were saying, like robots helping out with household chores and things of that nature. Um, But he mentioned that we had a good conversation about robot or AI consciousness. I'm not sure how into this you are. Um, but oh man, my mouth just dropped as soon as you said AI. I am so excited. Please tell yeah, me. Yeah, it's really good. And he talked about the how we are. You know, we kind of anthropomorphize. Uh, anthropomorph- yeah, okay. like like robots or things. We make them seem yeah, like I'm they're sure. human and stuff like that. But he says we shouldn't look at robots looking at us in the future or AI saying, oh, we need to eliminate humans and stuff. He said, because they won't have our level of human consciousness. Like we're driven by the desire to procreate. We have huge egos, all these things. AI is consciousness. While it may be aware aware that it's conscious, it'll be aware that it's consciously a program and that Mm. it will adhere to its program. It won't have the same desires that humans have. So we have to stop assigning human-like qualities to AI because it's not going to have those qualities. It's just programming. So he said it's very unlikely that you would see um, kind of these Skynet, Terminator, Dark Fate type of things, you know? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. He he explains it better than me, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to talk to him because like now I'm like, well, but, but, but what if they took all of the knowledge and all of the research and all of the programming that they use for social media and inserted it into a robot that is at least semi-conscious aware that it's a, it's a, um, it's a program. I don't know. I I think it's the uh, unintended consequence. I asked him about that. I said, well, Aren't you Liz, like what what are the unintended consequences of that? And he said, Well, there's always an option, he said, but he said, This future that we think we're doing, you know, with cognitive architecture, which is essentially um conscious AI. Right. He said it's not it's not happening anytime soon because one, large companies are so focused on deep learning and machine learning. And uh two, behind that, he was like there's just actually not an appetite for it right now. And, and, and robots are very dumb. AI is extremely stupid 
apparently oh, yeah. right now. It's just, it, you know, the same thing that could be the champion che- uh, chess player couldn't play checkers, you know? It, mm-hmm. So the future that we think is coming so quickly probably isn't actually. Right. Yeah. Just depends. No, you know? I, yeah, I don't think that they're going to, you know, try to take over the world or anything like that. I, um, I'm very interested in the applications between artificial intelligence and virtual reality as well. Um, I think there's a movie called Ready Player One or something like a great that. Great movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that something like that is a definite probability in our future. Like that's actually what I think our, our near future could look like closer than, you know, Eagle Eye or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. I think VR or augmented reality is probably much closer to than you know, humanoid robots in people's homes. I just think it's way too sophisticated. The tech is very far away. You may have robots. Actually, there's a book I think you would like. It's called Sex Robots and Vegan Meat. Really? And, uh, yeah, it's crazy. It's really good. And uh, uh-huh. I think I think you you'll see more of like sex robots before you would see at home robots and things of that oh, nature. Absolutely, they're already working uh, on based that. Based off I of think. what the industry is, yeah. right? Right. It's what it's, it all depends on what we actually want as a species and our sick mm-hmm. minds, man. <laughs> you know, we're into. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, sure. it just depends. You know, it's like, what's our priority? We had no priority for space travel back in the 60s. And then all of a sudden, Sputnik was launched. We were working on cars and basically TVs. And all of a sudden, we have a person on the moon within 10 years, 15 years. Right. It just depends what's our priority. If we have a priority for a conscious AI, we would have it probably pretty close. If we, if big corporations were like, we want to do cognitive architecture, that's the goal. Right now, that's not it. It's machine learning. That's where we're at. Oh, that's absolutely. the big push. You know. I know. And honestly, so like, that's one of the things that irritates me so much about like being a female is that I feel like they've done more medically for males because the interest was there than they have females because like, there's not even a test out there for endometriosis, which is something that afflicts Mm. many. And I cannot imagine a world where if something only afflict, I just, I mean, I can actually, (laughs) I'm sure out there, but we don't know that much. It, it amazes me. It's not that we don't know that much. It amazes me how little we know about like women's ovaries and uterus, <laughs> but there's a to fix a cosmetic problem for men. You know, it baffles me where and our priorities yeah. lie. <laughs> it's all priorities. I'm telling you, it's just, if we want to do stuff, right? nothing's impossible until we decide we want to actually work on it. You know, yeah. like, how it, it's just a matter of my priority. Like I'll leave you with this. I think just, you definitely got to get that book. I'm telling you, it's awesome. But like, I would love to read that. Yeah. I'm definitely going to look into it'll that. Blow your mind. Like there's so much work, you know, remember when in vitro fertilization was kind of like taboo back in the day. Yes. Yeah. It's common now. Right. But now the next mm-hmm. taboo thing is women not having babies and basically growing babies in bags. Or mm-hmm. having surrogacy now is huge. So a woman doesn't want to, uh, quote unquote, disfigure her body. So then basically has someone else have because they want to have a career. And it's interesting. The science 
is getting to the point where this is becoming the future where a woman doesn't have to carry a baby. She can just say, hey, I want to have a baby, but I don't want to actually go through the process of it. You know? mm -hmm. And what does that mean? What is the, what is the unintended consequences of, of that? I don't, I don't know. I'm just, it's in the book. You, it's very interesting. You'll definitely love it, Kat. You'll be into it. I'm super excited to read it. Yeah. Right now I'm reading um, a book by um, Stephen King about writing because I'm sort of, I'm not like shifting from away from the podcast or anything, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to start writing more often. Um, partially because last time I tried to record an episode with a guest, it did not go well. And I got like five interruptions. Um, oh, gotcha. <laughs> because but when I started my podcast, my kids were in school, so it was super simple. Um, but now they're not. So, um, and even in the beginning of like with coronavirus and everything, my husband was home, so he was able to help out. And I had a lot more hours in the day to actually schedule things mm -hmm. like that. Um, but he started traveling again for work and going back to his regular workplace during the day. So it's not as simple anymore, but, um, yeah. so yeah, reading that by Stephen King about how to be a good writer or something. And, um, I'm also reading, I think it's rise sister rise. Um, but it's all about like femininity and trying to mm -hmm. accept your positivity and positivity and, stuff like that. So I'm very excited to read sex robots and vegan meat. Yeah. It'll, it'll blow your mind. Like the stuff that's happening out there, you'll be like, what is going on in this world? <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> you know, it's, but, a, it's, yeah. a, it's a fiction, right? Yeah. It's all happening. Real life stuff, actual technology, you know, it's very fringy, but you could yeah. see how it's, will be mainstream at some point you can right. just see so they talk about how they're turning it is the vegan meat is that what they're talking about turning like leaves into meat it's essentially basically taking cells from living animals to culture uh grow meat in a laboratory so you instead of killing animals you're growing meat from existing animals they you're not killing them and trying to get away from the slaughtering of animals type of thing. Um, very interesting stuff. I think you're really, it's powerful to read and it's a glimpse into our potential future. That's incredibly interesting. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Well, well thank you. For that. <laughs> yeah, of course. Thanks for being on as a, a very lively and in-depth discussion. I love those. And I learned a lot about you, Kat. Absolutely. I know. Yeah. I learn about you by listening to your podcast. So it's great. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, listen, we will be in touch and thank you for being on. Absolutely. Anytime. So let me ask you something. How do you get your news? Because I know you want to stay informed with what's going on here in the world. There's so much going on on a regular basis. And it's something that's been a problem for me personally. And I've been searching and searching and searching. And finally, I found a news source that I think all of my listeners are going to love. It's called The Donut, or The Dose of News Useful Today. The founder and CEO, Peter Nowak, is a good friend of mine, and when he turned me on to it, I was just blown away. Finally, a daily news source that delivers succinct and factual news about all the world's occurrences, and it's an easy access to finding things that you just want to get information about. 
And it also serves up a lot of positive news stories that you won't hear anywhere else. It's your daily reminder that there is good in the world, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. So get the donut, stay informed. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe anytime. Visit thedonut.co or text donut to 66866 to sign up today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.